Hey guys, welcome to the shit show of my 20s. I'm so excited that you guys are here. My name's Sophia. I started this podcast in the beginning of April and I got furloughed at the end of March. And quite honestly, it was so hard for me to comprehend and deal with that. I was like, I have two choices right now. I can start the podcast that I've always wanted to start or I can let this really deter me and start emotional eating and just sit on the couch and do nothing. And I decided to go with the first choice. And I'm so glad that I did because I've got to meet so many inspiring people from all over the world. And I hope that you guys see yourselves in some of these stories because I've just been having so much fun. This has been lighting me up so much. And I'm really glad that I put myself out there and decided to start it. You know, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to start it. And I'm so glad that I just did that. And I know as an introvert, it's been pretty hard to like put myself out there, talk in front of a camera, talk to all these people I don't know. But I feel like this has been such a growing experience for me. And I feel like I need to share that with you guys because maybe there's something in your life that excites you but kind of scares you at the same time. And maybe it's time to step into that. Today's guest is Hala. I love chatting with her. Hala is the host of the Young and Profiting podcast, a top 10 self-improvement podcast on Apple with over 1 million downloads. Hala also recently started Young and Profiting Media, a full-service podcast production and marketing agency for top podcasters. It's projected to generate over 2 million in revenue in its first year. She also has a really engaged audience on LinkedIn. We talk about what inspired her to start her Young and Profiting podcast, her favorite interviews, how she's been able to build such an engaged audience on LinkedIn, and her tips for editing videos. So let's get started. So thank you so much, Hala, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. Love to know some backstory. So tell me, like, how did you get into the career path you're at today? Tell me about like, what's your backstory? How'd you get here? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Sophia. Uh, you know, happy to be on here. So in terms of my backstory, I'll try to give you like the five minute version. So I think everything really started for me in high school. In high school, I got an internship at Hot 97. And I got this internship because I was feeling a lot more confident in myself because I started to believe in the law of attraction. I started to realize that, you know, I could achieve anything that I believe. And previous to that, you know, when I was in high school and things like that, I didn't really do much uh, that was exciting. You know, I would try out for things. I would never make it. And it was really because I didn't have the confidence. So in in college, I, I found the confidence. I, you know, was a lot more popular and did a lot. I had a lot more friends and things like that once I was in college. And so I got this internship at Hanani 7. And it was the coolest internship in the world. I started in the production department, which is really like the corporate side. I did really well. And then they recruited me to be Angie Martinez's assistant intern uh, or like assistant production intern. And that was amazing because that's the number one radio show in the world. At least it was at the time. So it was like the number one show. It was a huge deal to be on. Only like 10 people were allowed in the studio area. I would meet a new celebrity every day. It would be like Chris Brown, Drake, JLo, Kim Kardashian, you name it. Like I've met them uh, from that experience. And I ended up doing really well. And Angie wanted me to be there every day. So I had to drop out of school. So I actually dropped out of college junior year. I had like one year left and I decided that I was going to pursue working at the radio station, uh, you know, pretty much full time. 
I was actually still a unpaid intern, even though I had so much responsibility at the station. I was training all the other interns. I was working the Dillette boards. I was, you know, recording commercials. I was doing the research. I had a real job. But unfortunately, you know, the, the way that radio works is that you actually have to intern for a long time. Some of the biggest personalities, you know, worked for free for 10 years before they actually got on air. And so that's just the industry. That's what you're supposed to do, pay your dues. So I was going through the motions, you know, being Angie Martinez's like assistant did anything for her. She would, uh, you know, hold her finger in the air. If the nail polish color was chipped, she would say, Holla, go find this color, run around the city, take my driver and, and go find it. And so I was doing weird things like that too. It was kind of like making the band with Diddy. Uh, that's sometimes what I felt like. And so I did that and I did that for about two and a half years. And then, you know, I ended up leaving Hot 97 and I went back to school. So I went back to finish my senior year. And at that time, I started something called the Sorority of Hip Hop. That was a blog site. It was a movement. And at the height of it, I had 50 girls under me blogging. And we used to host parties and have online radio shows. And we had, we had this blog that became pretty popular, especially in the New York and New Jersey area. So that was an amazing experience. I did that for about three years. We were signed by MTV twice uh, to have our own rea reality TV show. We ended up not getting those opportunities for one reason or another. I shut it down. I went, uh, I shut the, the website down and I, and the sorority of hip hop broke up. And then I, I went to go get my MBA. I decided that, you know, it's time to be a normal person. I just need to have a regular career and, and just like grow up kind of. And so I went and got my MBA, got a job at Hewlett Packard, ended up getting promoted several times. And when I first started at Hewlett Packard, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm so behind everybody my age, everybody who got a real job after college. And I was worried that, you know, I, I wasn't going to be, I was going to be way behind everyone. But turns out I got promoted really quickly because I had so much digital experience. I really stood out. My networking skills, all of that really helped me succeed once I actually got in the corporate world, which is funny enough. Then I, you know, about three years into working at Hewlett Packard, I was feeling like a little bit unfulfilled, like I, I left my dreams, that I, you know, took this job that it turned out great and I was doing well in it, but I didn't really feel fulfilled. And so I wanted to get back into broadcasting. And so I started Young and Profiting Podcast to mix my business passions with my broadcasting passions. And that turned out to be, you know, pretty successful. It's been a lot of hard work, two years, but right now everything's like really accelerating and, and that's awesome. And I currently work at Disney Streaming Services full time, but, you know, I started a podcast marketing agency and basically uh, navigating all these different opportunities. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. And when you were young and you said you were able to establish confidence at a young age, what do you think that was? Yeah, so I actually didn't really have much confidence at a young age. When I was in middle school and high school, in high school was when 9-11 happened, and right when I started high school. And so I, you know, before that, I actually was pretty, you know, well acclimated in my community and my family was really respected and everything like that. And, and I had a lot of friends and, and after 9-11, like I felt like I never got any opportunities. Like I tried out for the cheerleading team and they didn't pick me. I tried out for the play, even though I had, you know, my whole life, I always had a solo, every chorus concert. I had the best voice in school. They never put me in the play as a lead. I always had like some stupid role. And so like, 
I just didn't really get opportunities. And I think it was for, for two reasons. I think it was partly being Arabic and like all the backlash that came with 9-11. It was really fresh when I was like younger, you know. And I think, you know, I was in a very white, rich community and, and you know, I wasn't very accepted in that regard. And then I also think it was the lack of confidence. Like I just didn't have the confidence that I, that I had today. And I think it was because probably getting all that rejection at once you know, uh, when I, everything seemed to be going smooth when I was in middle school, and then all of a sudden in high school, it's like rejection, 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 you know. And somehow I, w- I had the grit. I had, uh, I, I come from a dad who came from absolutely nothing and, and became a, a surgeon and had the American dream. And I really had that grit from him and everything that he taught me. I still never like gave up when I went to college. The first thing I did was run for class president. I didn't get it. I was like very close to getting it, but it's like, I still had that, like, you know, I want to be something of myself. I want to make sure like something happens, even though I kept getting rejected. But at some point in college, I I found out about the law of attraction. I got crazy obsessed with it. I would listen to tapes over and over and over again of, of these uh, people called Abraham and Esther Hicks. I read all these books about the law of attraction. Like it, it wasn't just like watching the secret or something like I got crazy obsessed with the law of attraction and I, I really implemented everything in my life. I ever done everything that I wanted. I wanted to be in radio. I wanted to be a singer at that time. And, and so I like manifested getting this internship at hot 97 and then I manifested getting this like awesome, like internship, that was like a coveted thing at the time that all, all my friends were honestly jealous of, you know, because it's like I had this whole thing that, that I, I got and everybody would always say, like, how did you get that? Like, how did you end up working at 187? It was a big deal at the time because radio was a big deal at the time. Now it's, it's not a big deal, I don't think. So anyway, that's, that's how I got confident. It was, it was a law of attraction. And, and, and then it was just, you know, once you get those little wins and those, those little wins add up and, and you start to be more confident and more confident. And, and, and that's what happened. I'd love to go into rejection for a minute. Do you think rejection and having all those rejections helped you build like a stronger drive to want to accomplish more? Do you think it's really like to help you be more ambitious and go after things you want more? Yeah, maybe because I I definitely see people who didn't get rejected when we were like in high school and stuff, not really doing much with their life. So I don't know, maybe that did put like a big chip on my shoulder in terms of like the gatekeepers, you know, even now the gatekeepers never seem to pick me. I feel like I always have to make my own path. Like everything that I've ever like really achieved was me pretty much paving my own path because somebody didn't accept me and it was some gatekeeper that little didn't let me like go through that door. Like for example, Angie Martinez, even though I worked for free for her for three years and, and really paid my dues when the opportunity came to give me a job, she didn't give me a job and I deserved it, you know, on paper, on just on principle, if you had any morals, I deserved it. Right. And so she didn't give that to me. Then same thing. Like when I, when I almost had a show on MTV, this was the second pilot they shot with us. They had promised us. We had signed paperwork and, and they had said, you know, it's a done deal. And then they kind of, you know, slapped us in the face and said, no, like it's not happening. And so like lots of things have, have happened to me like that before, but you just got to use that negativity and fuel it into positivity and like fuel it into something positive. 
Uh, so every time I got rejected, I, I basically had another idea. So I didn't get Hot 97. My big idea was, oh, I'm going to start the sorority of hip hop. You know, I'm going to have a platform for women. It's going to be positive. We're going to support each other. And nobody's going to tell us no because we're going to make it happen on our own, right? I didn't need a radio station to hire me anymore. I just did it on my own. Same thing with my Young and Profiting podcast. I didn't decide to go get a radio station job. I did it. I just decided I was going to start my own thing. And yeah. And what was the inspiration behind your podcast? I really wanted to help people. I wanted to give back. When I used to have my online radio shows, when I had the sorority of hip hop and, and when I worked at Hot 97, I also had some radio shows on the side. They were really shallow, you know, it was just about music. You, I would interview these artists and ask them about their personal life and, and just why they wrote different songs. And it, it wasn't really meaningful and didn't really help people in their lives. And I wanted to do something different that's more educational that, that would help people. You know, when I was trying to be an entrepreneur out of college, I really wasn't very successful yet. I didn't know how to manage money. I didn't know how to start a business. I didn't know a lot of the things that I know now. And so I wanted to be able to interview like the brightest minds in the world, bestsellers, CEOs, billionaires, get those pieces of wisdom, those gems from their mind, and then share it with the world. And it was also an excuse to talk to people who would never otherwise want to talk to me. You know, having a platform like Young and Profiting Podcast where I get 100,000 downloads a month, it's a lot of ammo to to reach out to someone like Robert Green, Mark Manson, Seth Godin, the people who have been on my podcast because they would never want to just spend an hour with me. But when they spend an hour with me, they have the potential of reaching, you know, thousands of people. And so that's why they actually take the time. So those were some of the main reasons. And what have been some of your favorite moments from the podcast? Some of my favorite moments? I really love it when my guests are really surprised at the amount of research that I do. So anytime a guest is like, wow, I can't believe you know that, or, or wow, like you really did your due diligence, that makes me feel really good because I think we spend a lot of time on our research, I think more than a typical podcast, and I love it when they notice that. And I just, uh, in terms of like best moments, David Meltzer was on my show. I think his first interview that I had with him, it was like he was so in the flow, and, and it was like one of the most, like I felt, like I could take over the world after that first interview that I had with him. That was a really good one. I interviewed Robert Green. He's like a legend. He ended up talking to me for like two hours, even though it was supposed to be planned for like 45 minutes or something. And I did it like a two-part episode. And, and that was a, an amazing interview that a lot of people loved. And yeah, I mean, I just interviewed Seth Godin. That's my latest episode. And he is a marketing legend. He's one of my idols for a really long time as a marketer, and it was just so cool to talk to him. And the funniest thing is that it turns out that the bigger the guest is, it's, it's like the more nice and humble they are, and the better conversation I end up having with them because they are so open and like, you know, not judgmental and things like that. And, and so it's a real blessing. And what are your, some of your favorite lessons from the podcast? Lessons? I would say... There's so many, honestly, we're all about actionable advice and every podcast is filled with so much information and so much valuable information. So I can't say like what my favorite lesson is, but 
I'll try to think of some, some examples. So for example, we had Daniel Pink on the show. And so he wrote The Science of Perfect Timing. And it turns out that there's certain types of work that you should do at certain points of the day. So in the morning, you should do all of your like analytical work. So anything that's like super, you know, hard to understand, any sort of like Excel work, that kind of stuff you should do in the morning, stuff where you really need your brain power. In the middle of the day is your it's it's when things kind of go sour and you get really tired. That's why, you know, between like twelve and three, everybody always feels like they have to take a nap, they're full after lunch, and you're supposed to do really mundane things at that time. So checking your email, uh, things that just don't require a lot of brain power. And then at night, you should do creative work. It turns out like six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, people are really creative. And I loved this because I, you know, work full time and I have my podcast as a, as a part-time job. And I think that's why it works out for me because after work I can be creative and work on my podcast. And so it, it is really true that like certain work is conducive to certain parts of the day. And what advice would you give someone who wants to start their own podcast? In terms of starting their own podcast, First of all, I would say, what's your motive? You know, your podcast is not going to make you rich. A lot of people think that it's going to, you know, it's an easy way to make money. Actually, if you want to make money in your podcast, you're most likely going to have to invest a lot in your podcast first, whether that's in your marketing, whether that's in your production and also paid ads. And and that's just the reality of everything. So um, you can, of course, build your audience organically. And if you have crazy knockout content, you could be that, you know, 0.001% that just gets found and and gets famous, you know, off the bat. But reality is it's going to be a long journey. And so do you want to do this for the long haul? I think most podcasts end after seven episodes. So that's crazy, you know, and is it worth it for you to do it if you actually are not going to have skin in the game? You're going to have to really know your why in terms of why you're going to do this and your why really shouldn't be money. It should be maybe driving awareness towards your business, maybe becoming a thought leader in your industry, but your why shouldn't be generating money because it's unrealistic, especially in the first like two years. And who was your first guest? My first, I actually had a different format when I first started where I would, where I would interview like multiple people at the same time. So my first guests were Dory Clark and Dr. Jack Schaefer. So Dr. Jack Schaefer is an ex FBI agent and Dory Clark is a a bestselling author. And when you were in the beginning, did your podcast take off like right away, like the first couple months or was it like a gradual? Yeah. So it was definitely gradual. I worked really hard to get the word out. When I had when I had the story of hip hop, we were a pretty popular website and I did have a little bit of a following on Twitter. But when I went to work at HP, I basically took like a four-year break between getting my MBA, working at corporate. I took a four-year break from the entertainment industry and I essentially had to start from zero because I had no more following left. And even the people that used to be interested in the story of hip hop, my target demographic was totally different. Now I'm targeting like, professionals, college educated millennials, kind of, uh, you know, upper class type of millennials, right, that really want to like improve their lives, not just like people who are trendy and, and want to listen to music and, and kind of like, I think it's totally different demographic. So, so yeah, yeah it, was, it was a totally different demographic. So I ended up uh, deciding that I was going to focus promoting my podcast on LinkedIn, right? And at the time, I had like 2,000 followers. This was April of 2018. And what I did is I just messaged one by one every one of my followers and 
copied and pasted a message. Hey, uh, it's Holly. I just launched a new podcast. So excited. At the time, I was also president of my alumni association for New Jersey Institute of Technology where I got my MBA. And so I also like promoted it with that group. And I think my first episode, I had like 257 downloads. So it's like not a lot. But you know what? I was happy with it because like 250 something downloads, your first episode at that time, I, I thought, you know, that's pretty good if it just doubles every time I do an episode. I'll be, you know, big in no time. And so I just kept hustling. I, I was super consistent. I didn't let the numbers get me down. I posted every day on LinkedIn. I was really smart with my creative strategies in terms of growing my following. Um, if you guys don't follow me on LinkedIn, you know, right now I have like 65,000 followers. I grew that all organically, no paid ads whatsoever. And, you know, I did it through creative strategies. I, I looked at my competition and saw you know, what other podcasters are on LinkedIn and who's liking their content and how can I become visible to those people? I would proactively invite and connect with them. I think I grew my first 15,000 followers by basically me inviting them to connect. And then at that point, I was getting so much engagement on my posts because I posted really quality content. I'm, you know, also a marketer. So I think that works in my advantage. And uh, my following really just grew from there. And, and so, along with it, the downloads from my podcast. And I think the key really is being resourceful. I think what I do different, I don't necessarily think that I'm the most talented podcaster in like in the world or, you know, I, I'm a talented podcaster, but I'm, I, I think it's mostly from being resourceful and creative in terms of how I promote my podcast and how I even collaborate with other podcast brands and, and just get my name out there. And I, I think that's, you know, really key when it comes to growing your downloads. So on LinkedIn, what made you decide to go like all in in LinkedIn? Is there something that you like in particular about LinkedIn versus like other social media platforms? Well, first of all, I felt like people on Instagram weren't interested in my stuff. I, I At the beginning, I was, you know, more focused on Instagram probably and was just testing out what platforms would work for me. And everybody on Instagram, like all they want to see is like pictures of my face or like, like those are the only things that get any traction. Anytime I put up something educational, it was like crickets. Whereas LinkedIn, even though it was like 30 likes, five comments, it was still something that was going on on LinkedIn. So I just started shifting my focus there because I felt like, you know, people are really on LinkedIn to improve their lives, to get a job. And these are all the kind of things that I talk about on my podcast. So I, I thought that it made more sense. Now that I like kind of have my LinkedIn on lock and like I think I'm one of the more visible podcasters on that platform, I'm starting to focus on Instagram because I know that I need to, I don't want to just have my eggs in one basket. And also YouTube is another huge focus of mine. And for anyone who's like just starting off on LinkedIn, what advice would you give them? I would say, like I mentioned before, consistency is key. If you want to, uh, you know, grow your personal brand on LinkedIn, you're going to have to post at least three times a week and then increase that to maybe five times a week and then increase that to two times a day. And at the end of the day, it's really about valuable content. So anything that's in your post should be something that you know you curated yourself you brought different ideas together and put something together where you know somebody's going to walk away after reading that post feeling motivated or feeling like they learned something new just anything valuable um, it could be related to your niche or it could just be related to your personal life whatever it is I would suggest that I think a lot of people like they post news stories they share other people's content and when you share content on LinkedIn it actually doesn't perform well so 
even if that means sharing like my, one of my posts, uh, even though I want you guys to still share my posts, but just the reality of it is like you're not going to get a lot of engagement. And even if you share like a news article from you know CNN.com, it's also most likely not going to get a lot of engagement. LinkedIn doesn't want people to leave their platform. So anything where you're linking off to their platform actually is going to decrease the engagement so you want to just have like original content whether you upload a video yourself you upload a picture yourself you write just a text post you want to do that then the, the second thing I would say is I, I touched on it earlier but it's really about being proactive about growing your community so if you just join LinkedIn and you throw up some posts and you think people are going to find it, you're going to have a rude awakening. I think you guys all have scrolled down your feed where you see that every most people have one, two, three, or zero likes. Like that's the reality of the feed, right? And then you have certain, there's like 100 people that are getting 500 likes on their posts and everybody else is kind of, doing getting nothing and that's because they haven't grown a community and they they just don't do anything different you have to be a part of the community you have to find other people who have content that's relevant to yours who might like your content you need to engage on their posts you need to make yourself visible in the community. You need to proactively invite people who might like your stuff. You can't expect that people are just going to find your stuff on their own. Even if you use hashtags, like that stuff doesn't work. You know, it just doesn't work. In fact, it could actually reduce the amount of engagement that you get on your posts because if you use a hashtag and it gets a lot of impressions and your content sucks and nobody likes it, LinkedIn is going to deprioritize your post. And so it's actually sometimes better to not use hashtags because your community might like your post more than strangers. And so all of those things are, are things you should keep in mind. I think when it comes to LinkedIn, standing out is really key. So you do that with videos, you do that with bright colors, patterns, things that are going to make you stand out. LinkedIn is, you know, a really super fast growing platform. There's a lot of younger people getting on that platform. You really stand out when you are yourself, you're authentic. I, I put up jokes on there and I think people really like it because it's like people are used to it being like a stuffy old person platform and uh, I think they like having the breath of uh, fresh air. Honestly, that's what I thought about LinkedIn until I got on it. Like, I think I got on it back in July or August, but before then I was like, oh, there's a bunch of old people there and probably have no one to talk yeah. to. There. And then I went into it and I said, Shay, like Shay, and I saw you, and I saw all these other people. I was like, "Oh, LinkedIn is where it's at right now." Yeah, <laughs> I was like so surprised when I first started. But like when you were doing, like sending all those connection requests, how many did you send a day? Is there like a max of how many you send? Yeah, so LinkedIn will flag you if you send. I think more than like two hundred messages a day, and I think one fifty is safe. It's like 150 actions a day. So whether that's inviting someone to connect and sending a note or sending a DM, you never want to do over that because then they'll think you're using automation or maybe you are using automation, hint, hint. Then, you know, you won't get in trouble. But anything over 150 actions a day, you could get flagged for automation. And how do you edit your videos? Oh. Do you have any tips for like editing videos? That's a loaded question. Yeah, I would say, you know, it's, a lot of so like I think you know when it comes to marketing my podcast I think my team goes crazy above me on I have a team of 27 people now so it's it's not me editing my videos anymore but I used to be the one editing editing my videos to like a year ago you know so 
it's it's a mix of multiple different platforms. Usually what we do, we start off in Canva and we have a video concept. A lot of the videos that I have on my feed is actually, you know, me, I designed them in Canva and I would just show uh, my video editor or any of the volunteers that used to volunteer for my podcast, like, hey, this is what I want the video to look like. And then they would use Premiere Pro, they'd use Headliner, they'd use Wave. There's a multitude of different apps. And usually you're going to have to use two, three apps to put one video together, whether that's getting your uh, your, your, uh, VTT files for your captions, whether that's the actual backgrounds of your video. There's lots of different aspects. And video editing is definitely an art. And I think any podcaster that wants to be serious, especially now in, in COVID world and you need to really know your video editing because that's how you're going to drive people to your podcast. You need a visual element that you can promote on social media so people know who you are because unless you have a very SEO keyword rich show or you have a show that went viral, you're going to have to push people to your show. They're not going to find you on their own in most cases. And for like, for specifically for the colors that you use on your branding for your video, which app is that? Uh, Canva. But like, what do you mean the colors? So you can, like the colors, like the, how you create like the borders with like the pink color. Yeah, that's usually, it's usually Canva. Mm -hmm. And then we download the background and then upload it to whatever video editing platform uh, that we have that we're using for that video. (laughs) I was like, I always see these pretty colors and I'm always wondering how do people like come up with like these colors and like these lines. Well, it's just, it's, you could use any (laughs) photo editing, like you could use Photoshop. You could like the videos are basically images that, that are moving. Right. And so you just pick your background and stick your zoom video on there or whatever I use. uh, I don't use zoom, but you stick whatever video file that you have that you're recording with. It sounds like you need to take a a video editing course. (laughs) You're missing some basic basic concepts here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I need to take a course. I think that's the answer. (laughs) And what is something you're really excited about right now? I'm excited because I started a podcast marketing agency this summer and almost every week I have another person who's interested in it and I haven't even started advertising for it yet and it's growing super fast and already it's only been three months I'm able to pay like 14 people on my team I have some full-time team members and it's just incredible I'm able to scale my team I'm able to scale my podcast my side hustle has actually started making more money than my full-time job at Disney a lot more money and it's just really exciting honestly like I'm just so excited to start this this business and see where it goes and to get more clients and to really focus full-time on it because I feel like I'll be way a way better podcaster because right now I feel like I'm like complete honesty I feel like I'm a hot mess half the time because I'm working full-time at Disney I'm trying to manage like my three clients I've got a team of 27 I have a, a boyfriend I still have to cook dinner for and 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 like be a good girlfriend and and spend time with him and and my family and my friends and I just feel so spread thin you know and I just feel like I used to be able to study 20 hours before an interview and be so prepped and now it's like I have an hour to get all the research that my team prepared and then try to you know be a great podcast it's just too much and so I'm so excited to kind of like focus more 
you know, become a full-time entrepreneur and, and really focus on everything. And to me, I'm so excited about that. Like I'm so excited because I just feel like if I did this doing it part-time as a side hustle, I can't imagine what it's going to be like when I do this full-time. Yes, I'm going to have to work on my agency, but it's all related. And it's like at the same time, I can build my podcast as I'm building for my other clients. So it's just really exciting. And how do you do it all? Um, hustle and heart. <laughs> Hustle and heart. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I work really hard. I have a really supportive boyfriend who works really hard too. And we are really accepting of each other's careers and, you know, the amount of work that we do. I am comfortable working at night. I'm comfortable not watching TV and doing mindless things. I've worked through the weekends and basically I worked through the weekends for the last two years at least. And, you know, it's, sad in some regards because I'm like oh I have had like no social life uh, pretty much I still have my best friends and make time to see my friends and stuff but in general like I do miss out on a lot of like things that they're doing I'm lucky that it's COVID now because it, it's like gives me even more time without a commute and things like that but I just hustled like even when I was commuting to work on the train that whole time I was working on my podcast so many of like I think I grew my LinkedIn on the train like no joke I would do my, I would do all my posts while on, on the, like I would do my, my posts for the day as I was on the train. That was when I would do like my daily post. And then at night is when I would engage, like on the way home was when I would do all my DM engagement. <laughs> and so like I did that every day and I just like, I just grew my LinkedIn going to work and leaving work. And so like, I think it's just like using those little pockets of time to be productive where I think other people kind of zone out and relaxed and like I just hustled you know and like I think uh and like I told you before I was really creative I'm not the type of person that like if if my podcast didn't get a lot of downloads I wouldn't just sit there and like do the same thing like I see all these podcasters they do the same thing over and over and over again if you're putting out episodes and nobody's listening what is the point you know I have uh, 90 episodes. It's not really a lot for two years, but I focus a lot of my time on promoting because I, I, I want people to actually listen to my content. I spend a lot of time on it. I don't want to just put it out and get 50 downloads. I want people to actually listen to all this hard work and I'd rather spend half my time promoting it than just keeping pushing out content and never letting anybody see it. So yeah. And how'd you meet your boyfriend? So my boyfriend is, I've been with him for 10 years. And he's a music producer. And I met him when I was working at Hot 97. I was at the time I wanted to be a singer and an online personality, uh, on air personality. And I used to write music and, and we had the same manager. And he was my producer. And we actually wrote like 10 songs together. And then we fell in love. I wrote a love song about him and recorded it with him. <laughs> and I just I just knew he was the one when I when I saw, I remember walking into the studio and just looking at him and I, I said he's gonna be my next I told my my brother because I used to live with my brother at the time and when I went home I was like he's gonna be my next boyfriend is what I told him and then 10 years later we're still together so and what do you think is something that helped keep your relationship strong throughout the 10 years I think it's just you know I think we're both really motivated and I think that really helps I think we both couldn't be with people that weren't career oriented and understanding of that. I mean, uh, you know, for the past 10 years, 
you know, he's, he, he's actually like really successful. And there's been so many times where like he had to work instead of like going to my friend's birthday party with me or like doing stuff like that. And it's just, I think us being understanding of each other's career goals. And like now me, I, I'm becoming more busy. And I think like it helps that I was understanding of him, you know, when he was coming up and, and had to be really busy and, and miss out on, on certain things. So I think it's just being understanding and motivating each other to be really successful. I think also it helps that we, we spend a lot of time together, but we spend a lot of time apart too. So like sometimes I'll go see my mom for an extended period of time and you know, he'll go to, he, he's like been to Florida for four months. And so it's like, we've been together for 10 years, but there was definitely times where we had time apart. And I think that's important for people um, to miss each other and, and, and like just have time apart to actually make it better when you're together. And so I think that's helped as well. And what's something he taught you? Something that he taught me. That's so much. I mean, I feel like he taught me how to be an adult. If I could just be honest, I mean, I've been with him since I was so young and I, and he's a little bit older than me and, and very, you know, responsible and really organized and stuff like that. And so I feel like he taught me so much because it's, it's, I feel like I was like a kid when, when we started being together. And so I, I do feel like he, he taught me a lot. He's the one that encouraged me to go get my MBA, just kind of launched my career and really helped uh, lay the foundation of, of everything that I have today. And so he, he definitely not only that, he, it's not necessarily that he taught me things, it's that he influenced me to be better. And do you guys have any rituals or anything you guys do together? Any like any like things you guys do together to like strengthen your relationship or anything you guys do to like work on your personal development together or anything like that? I don't, you know what? No, we don't do anything like that. We don't have any rituals. We don't do like yoga together or something. Uh, We don't. I'm trying to think like what we do. I mean, we both enjoy to like leisurely smoke marijuana together. I mean, I think that's like, uh, you know, now it's legal in New Jersey. I think I can talk about it a little bit, you know, but I, I think that that's how we like to relax sometimes together and just like chill. And I think that's something that we do together. That's, I think, a little out of the ordinary for some couples, but that's, uh, that's one thing I could say. <laughs> I've never said that on air before. <laughs> I was expecting that one. I was like, oh, I didn't know what to say. It's such a random question. (laughs) No, because like I was interviewing this guy the other day and he was talking about like him and his partner. And I asked him because I had a feeling he had some rituals that I could learn from in his relationship. And he asked his, he asked his partner every week, how loved did you feel by me? Oh, wow. Oh no, my boyfriend's like, my boyfriend's like like an (laughs) alpha male, like does not like to get in his feelings. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, because like I was like, I wasn't expecting that from him either. I was like, oh, that's so good. And then he's like, what can I do this le- this week to make you feel more? Loved? Oh, that's nice. And he talks to his partner about this every week. And I was like, wow, that's, that's so interesting to think about. Because I think sometimes we like don't think about it and to think about week to week and kind of like assess like where we are. So I thought that was interesting. That's cute. They must have only been together for like a, a year or two. <laughs> I think it's been like five years or something. They were long distance for a while, and now they're in this, both together in the same place. But yeah, it's so cute. If someone comes up to you and they want to be happier, what advice would you give them? 
I get this a lot, actually. You know, as I've been growing my fan base, a lot of people feel really connected to me and uh, tell me a lot of their personal things going on, especially if people are sad. And, and I get a lot of messages like, oh, I don't even want to get out of bed. And I, I get really crazy messages sometimes where I'm like, oh, my gosh, should I, like, contact somebody else? <laughs> I don't know how to help you. But what I tell them is try to read, like, like I think reading – self-improvement material, watching people like Evan Carmichael, listening to stuff like Young and Profiting Podcast, I think can really start to elevate people's mind. And then I also tell them to like look within themselves. You know, a lot of people think that their happiness is based on other things, based on their environment, based on the things that they have, based on other people and what they feel. And I think that happiness really comes within yourself, right? It, it's, it's an internal thing and nobody else can make you happy except for yourself. So the best way to, to make yourself happy is to start to improve yourself, start to learn new skills so you start to feel more confident about something, something that you can talk about and have and, and make new friends with because you're an expert at something and you have a common interest with other people. I think you know, a lot of the root of unhappiness is loneliness. And I think people are lonely when they have nothing to talk about or nothing to do with other people. And I think that in order for somebody to become happier, you most likely are unfulfilled inside because you yourself know that you're more capable of what you're doing today. And so I would say, read some books, get interested in something, find something that you're interested in and just dive so deep into it and, and really just try to become a master, try to upskill yourself. And I think before you know it, you'll feel passionate. And when you're passionate, you, you take action. And when you take action, hopefully you'll attract things that you want in your life and be happy. And what's something that keeps you grounded? Grounded. I think COVID-19 kept me grounded this year. My whole family got COVID and my dad passed away from it. And it was like a really terrible thing. And I think just thinking about that experience and how humbling it was, you know, I found out that my parents had COVID in April-ish. And I remember my sister gave me the call and I immediately had to decide in five minutes if I was going to go home and basically get COVID myself and, and help. And I decided, okay, I'm going to go home. My parents gave me everything. I'm going to go take care of them, you know, and that was just a super humbling experience and grounding experience. And I think for the rest of my life, you know, hopefully I'm very successful. Hopefully I make it, but you know, I think I'll always look back at that, that 10 days of me. It was hell. Like it was hell being in that house, you know, taking care of my dad who basically who died and was dying and having to take care of him and my mom and, just was terrible. So I think that's a very grounding thing that I think will ground me forever. And what helped you through that? I think just, first of all, being thankful that nobody else died. I mean, like my aunt got it, my uncle got it because they were taking care of my dad. Like everybody got sick in my family because we're a very tight knit family. And once somebody got sick, we all wanted to help. Right. So everybody got sick. So being thankful that like nobody else passed away. Also just, appreciating like my dad's life and everything that he did for us. He, you know, was super poor, grew up in Palestine during wartime, lived in a one bedroom apartment with like 10 people in his family. His dad was a farmer. He, 
had no electricity. He ended up getting a scholarship to med school. He did really well. He came to America. He became a surgeon. And everything that he did was like through grit, hard work. He had not a dime to his name, you know, and he built it all from nothing. And the fact that he basically gave me life and I'll admit it with a silver spoon in my mouth. My dad was a surgeon. I didn't grow up poor. I didn't, you know, I had a lot of opportunity and my parents were really fair compared to other Muslim Arabic parents. Like my sister's a doctor, my other girl cousin next door, you know, basically my sister, she's a doctor. Like I could have been a doctor. Like our, our parents weren't like, Oh, you're a woman, go get married. Like we were never, I was never treated like that. I was treated like a leader. And like, I, I was going to be, you know, my dad always believed in me. He always told me, Oh, you're going to be famous. Oh, you're going to do this. You're, you're so much different than everyone else. He made me like believe in myself so much. And that's probably also why I always had grit, even though I kept getting rejected and rejected because I had this like very successful man being like, no, they don't know what they're talking about. You're amazing. You know, like, and always like pushing me up. Mm -hmm. So I just, I think he definitely helped like me just trying to respect everything that he did and making sure that he's going to be proud of me and that I'm giving back. He was a very generous man. He put all my cousins in Palestine through college. He started, uh, you know, he would do fundraisers every year for education for refugees and was super generous. And so I feel that a lot of the stuff that I do in terms of giving back, I mean, I think I've invested way more in Young and Profiting Podcasts than I ever made off of it. And I think I've helped a lot of people's lives. And so I, I, I think that is really meaningful to me as well. And what is something that you're manifesting right now? Just uh, becoming a full-time entrepreneur. I started a business in three months. I started a whole business in three months. You know, that's that's not an easy thing to do. And I've got a real profitable business and creating new clients like, uh, you know, every week, like I mentioned. And so just manifesting uh, this new this new business endeavor that I'm looking to do. And do you think that you really like, set up the groundwork by doing law of attraction, getting into the beliefs. Do you think that all helped you for when you launched your business that you really were already at that you already had all these tools along the way? Yeah, I think, you know, now, now so much, I'm not very like, I don't think about the law of attraction like I used to, you know, when I, because I've basically ingrained all of that into hopefully my, my unconscious subconscious mind you know I I don't really like proactively like think about the love of attraction or read about the law of attraction I think I just do now you know I just am now and so in terms of like if I think that helped yeah I think every step of the way I think that success is not a clear line I think there was ups and downs I think you know I'm really thankful that you know I didn't get the show on MTV I'm really thankful that I didn't get the job at Hot 97 because my path led me to where I was supposed to be. And oftentimes, um, you know, your delay doesn't mean your denial, right? And so I think it took me a while to finally, like, become a, pr a decently prominent personality in the broadcasting world, right? I, I was trying and trying and trying and failed and failed and failed and, and worked in corporate and then came back and then made it, you know? And I think that was a bumpy ride. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I was able to 
upskilled myself and I, I got business skills. I got an MBA. I got marketing skills now. And then when I tried again, I didn't start from scratch. I started from experience and getting all that experience being a leader, running the story of hip hop, learning how to optimize SEO for my blog, learning how to, you know, hack different social media to go viral and things like that. All of that was experience that I built up over a long time. You know, it took me a long time. I wasn't, I'm not just like this overnight success. I'm really a story about hard, hard, hard work. Young and Profiting Podcast is like my sixth or seventh show. And I took a four year break. <laughs> so it's like, it was a long time coming and I think it was a lot of hard work and I'm not going to say it was from only the law of attraction. I think, I think that's a part of it. I think have believing in myself, but I think it was a lot of action and it was a lot of consistent hard work and, you know, not willing to give up and not willing to just let the gate keep gatekeepers keep telling me no, you know, I just decided I was going to do it on my own. And if you can go back in time, and talk to your 20 year old self, what advice would you give her? I would say, what would I say? I would say, keep doing what you're doing. I would probably say, I, I would have hoped that she, she would be a little bit quicker on her journey than I was. But at the same time, like, like I said, I have no regrets. I, I got so much experience. I think I've, uh, a lot of people tell me that like, Holly, you've lived nine lives. Like that's what it feels like, you know, like all the different experiences that you've had. And so I, I think I would just say, keep going, doing what you're doing, keep staying positive. Like don't let anything get you down. And maybe like, don't stick, like when you just trust your gut a little bit more, I think, in certain situations, I could have like maybe shaved off a few years of this timeline. Like had I left Hot 97 a little earlier, had I shut down Sorority of Hip Hop a little earlier, had I left HP or, or, you know, started Young and Profiting a little earlier. But everything happens for a reason. You do things when you're ready. And, you know, this was my time now. And, and, it, and you know, it is what it is. Well, thank you so much for doing yeah, this. Yeah, I, I was so nice to chat with you. I hope you learned something. <laughs> Yeah, I learned a lot from you. I liked it. It was so cool. It was so cool because like, like I told you before, I see you all the time on my LinkedIn feed and now I got to see you in person kind of you know, over Zoom. So I'm so glad we were able to do this. Where can people connect with you? Yeah, so uh, you guys can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Hala Taha, so just search for me and you'll find me. I'm also on Instagram at yapwithhala. You can check out Young and Profiting Podcast. We're a top 10 how-to podcast on Apple. So just search for Young and Profiting. We're also on CastBox, Podcast, podcast Republic, Spotify, anywhere you like to listen to your podcast, you can find us. And uh, we're on YouTube. So I would love it if everybody could go subscribe to our YouTube channel. I do all my podcasts on video now. Uh, we've got some great video content up there, and I hope you guys check it out. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.